Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello and welcome to Dream Job Ready. My name is Dane Sharp. I'm your host and my guest for this episode is Anna Lee, who's the Chief Operating Officer for The Iconic. Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. Hi, Anna. Uh, I want to jump straight into this and I want to pull one of your quotes that I found in a little video profile that you did online on YouTube, where you say that you have the best job in Australia. So let's go. What, let, tell me why you've got the best job in the country. Thanks, Dane. Um, and thanks for inviting me on um, this podcast. Uh, well, I think you'll find that that YouTube, if I recall correctly, I think that was when I was... Um, a CFO role. So I'm already kind of moved uh, into another role since then. So, and I would say, if you ask me that question again, I would probably say that I'm still in my dream job. Um, and I think that's where, that, that's kind of, I guess, the point that I really feel um, strongly about is your dream job is, should be, and always uh, will be the role that you're in, because I think that you can make any role uh, the dream job because I think there's a lot of things about your role and your job that you can control yourself um, rather than sort of rely on a dream job description. Uh, quite often the reality of the role is, you know, is quite different to that. And so uh, I think it's uh, important to kind of be able to look at your current role and be really grateful for what you have and really make it something. I couldn't agree more, and, and we know you're you're still just getting started, but you are you are building a great career, uh, and we'll talk through a bunch of it today. Um, you know, you're over six years now working for the iconic, as you said, CFO role. There was an interim yeah. CEO role, I believe, for a few months, and you know now your current role. Um, yes, you must that that must be awesome. Six years at, at such a fast growing um, and, and really exciting company. Yeah, I mean it is pretty exciting, but I would also say that my career. You know, I do look back on it and think I'm really, really proud and really happy about where I am. But I think at the same time, I would say that, you know, all my roles, um, even from the very start, um, I could even say like before I started university and before I started, you know, what I would call my current sort of career, um, every single job I really loved. I, I don't think I've ever had a job that I feel oh, that was terrible or, or whatnot, because I think I'm very, very focused on learning and just giving it all my best every day. And I think as a result of that, um, I guess comes things like opportunities and making the most of them. So I uh, have absolutely enjoyed um, the years at the Iconic, of course, and uh, so excited about the future um, in that role as well. So yeah, loved it. Hey, take me back to the early days. What was your first job? Uh, well, my very first job, 
was when I was in high school and I worked at Taronga Zoo for the catering company there <laughs> and I was selling fast food, which is ironic because I can't stand fast food now, but maybe that was because <laughs> I had to spend all my weekends like at school and school holidays flipping burgers and selling things to people. But um, I, I actually really enjoyed it, um, apart from the fact that I could kind of check out the animals for free during my breaks. But actually, you know, it taught me a lot about customer service and also just the mechanics of running a business and also, um, you know, just understanding the different walks of life. We had a lot of tourists and locals visit the zoo. So you really did get in contact with a huge diverse uh, group of customers and just understanding how they communicate, how and what types of um, things they order and just the way they speak to you and so on, just give you gave you a much greater appreciation of the diversity of the human race. And I think for me, having kind of experienced that at the age of sort of 15 and 16, I think already really embedded some really interesting thoughts in my mind already around, you know, perhaps how I want to interact with people, um, how I needed to be empathetic to the way different people, um, you know, just kind of different cultures and, and, and backgrounds. So uh, it was really great. I did that for about three years. And then, of course, I finished my HSC and then um, I went on to university and worked um, with PwC. So that was kind of my very first job. Um, it was pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, great perks. I love the zoo. Um, what what made you go and get a job and I guess stay there for three years during high school? Was it you needed money? Was it that you knew what you wanted to do? Would you get influence from above? All of the above? What um, was it? Probably all the above. I think uh, my parents were very much focused on uh, educating us and making sure that we understood the value of money. And, you know, my parents were immigrants from Hong Kong and I, that's where I was born and I came when I was really young. So I had all my schooling here, obviously. So, uh, and, you know, they really came from really humble beginnings and really were that generation of just working hard and understanding that, you know, money wasn't easy to come by. So I think they were really much focused on as soon as we were able to, so my brother and I, um, able to kind of work that we would kind of go and understand what it would be like to actually work and actually earn a paycheck. And so that was probably the first um, start. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, <laughs> some would argue, oh, I don't really know what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, but at the time, I didn't know. I, I really didn't have an idea. And it's sort of, I guess, the opportunity came up and I went for it and met a lot of really interesting people along the way as well. Yeah, that's, you just shared some really impactful advice about, um, you know, just learning to, you know, read and serve and uh, work with different people, diversities, etc. I think that's that's super cool. I, I was very lucky when I was growing up, my parents owned a video shop, uh, which was sort of their, their side hustle, I guess, they, yeah. they were teachers. But um, when I was going at the end of my high school and then through uni, I'd work in the video shop a few, few hours a night. And I, I probably took it for granted thinking about it now. But at the same time, to your point, you know, it was great to... I guess, try and build some confidence around speaking with people, usually much a yeah. senior at that age as well, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and can only be good learning for, for what was you know, destined to come as soon as you start going to university and start hunting jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I think just appreciating as well that uh, there were different people. You know, I was there as a high school student, kind of essentially earning pocket money. Uh, but I was working with people where that was that was their career, that was their job, and they'd worked from becoming, you know, a sort of a, a customer service person to 
you know, a team leader or supervisor and they would tell me and they would travel quite a long distance to uh, work there. And I think for me at that age, I'd not really come up and across people like that in my social circle. So I think just also just appreciating that actually the broader economy and the society was made up of, you know, different people or doing different things to learn earn a, a livelihood, I think was also pretty important to learn at a very young age because it really makes you, um, it really grounds you a lot about, you know, the people around in the world. Now, your, your current role with the iconic uh, COO, Chief Operating Officer, um, is it your, your standard job description or, you know, could you advise us on kind of what your, you know, your real key, I guess, and passionate roles and responsibilities are there? Yeah, I mean, I think... I can't even remember the last time actually I had a job description. So <laughs> I think um, I was, quite often they're the best ones because uh, I think actually most people that I speak to as well, they don't really have a job description or if they do, um, you know, it's really themselves who are keeping themselves to within the, the confines of the job description. So I guess to really, I guess, summarise um predominantly part of my role is to oversee the operations functions, which includes fulfillment, customer service, production, marketplace operations, and and so on. And then um, my other part of my role is around, I guess, keeping the engine humming um, across the business, which includes things like understanding um, the different important operating rhythms and cycles within the business and making sure that uh, everything's in sync and so on. So it's quite a, in, in, I guess, quite an interesting role uh, it really plays to my strengths and I think that that's really important in any kind of what we'd call in inverted commas dream job. I think you really need to get to the point where you understand what you're really good at and, and really play to them because then, you know, it's things are just, I guess, not just easier but also you can challenge yourself to be better and I do think that a lot of people don't spend enough time mastering certain skills I think quite often I think people kind of think that they, you know, they, they can do it once and they've ticked the box, but actually quite often you actually have to do things many, 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 many times in order to do, you know, something really well. And I think having that patience and resilience is also important. But, uh, yeah, I, I love um, being in roles that make a difference. And I think, you know, my current role is certainly one that I feel um, is has the ability to make a difference, not just to the people within the Iconic, but also um, all of our customers and um, just the overall industry um, in retail as well. So, I think it's certainly something that I've kind of really made my own. I'd, I'd like to stay on the people as well because I, I feel like it's really important. Obviously, um, I mean, we've everybody's been challenged this year, um, regardless of whether that's been a really you know bad, mm. impactful challenge and business has been bad or whether you're at a business where business has been booming. Uh, it's brought challenges. Now, f- for you and, and the people that you're working with and you're managing, uh, I guess, across the country that have probably been put under a lot of stress and load uh, going over the last couple of months, don't have to talk exactly about the business, but talk to me how you've approached working with people and, and, and I guess what's, the, what's really come out of that that's really inspired you as a, as a leader uh, in an important mm-hmm. business? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the great things about working with quite young workforce, which I would say, you know, that that's the demographic that we work with is that they're enormously um, agile and they, 
you know, very, very easy to kind of, you know, we had to be pretty flexible pretty quickly. And I think, you know, all credit to our workforce that absolutely adapted so well and so easily. And I think when you look at, you know, the successful businesses around, and I've done quite a lot of um, reading on articles. I'm not an avid, avid reader, but, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, work around, um, you know, what a lot of businesses do. And a lot of it is around um, how well that they adapt to the changing environment. And I think I really credit our people for just embracing and trusting each other in that process. So I think my strength is also um, somewhat crisis management. I wouldn't necessarily call COVID a crisis per se, because, you know, it wasn't like crisis, but it was certainly no doubt, a, you know, a, a global pandemic is, is up there with, um, you know, changing environments um, for, for, for all of us. And I think for me it was around just keeping calm and just really being able to focus on what the most important things were and it's always going to be the safety of our people first and foremost. So for me that was very clear. So uh, I think that's that's always been a strong strong point of mine. Perhaps that's from the finance background or operational background. You know, there's always um, going to be, you know, fires here and there and so on. So you're quite used to having to deal with unexpected um you know, circumstances or uncertainty. And so you you get pretty good at understanding what, what happens and, and what to do. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether you had, you know, taken any good advice from, from peers or people you work with during this period or whether you'd instilled, um, you know, some advice or some calmness to, to those that you work with. You, but you do sound like you have, you've got, you're very level and, and, and have, you're very calm through this. Have you had to, uh, I guess, coach people through the last few months at all? Uh, I, you know, I've, I've definitely been talking to a number of different people within the industry, whether it be other retailers or other people in the sort of eco ecosystem. Uh, I think we've all been great support to each other. So I'm not sure if, you know, I kind of feel like I've um, played a huge role in coaching a lot of other people, but I feel like we've all been uh, in it together. And I think with most people, it's less about what the big tips have been. It's rather been everyone just acknowledging that they're in the same boat and that they've faced, you know, similar issues or perhaps different issues, but we've all had our share of, you know, various um, things that we've had to deal with. And I think most of the time it's just knowing that you're not alone that has been uh, the big piece of reassurance that everyone needed. So I think, I think, you know, the industry and and, um, many of my network, that's what we've kind of been for each other. Um, so I think that that's been, I guess, some, to some extent, the learning itself. Yeah, I think reassurance is a, is a really nice word. Um, leveraging the benefit of hindsight, looking back at your career, is there any, anything that stands out as a real you know, moment of adversity or any big challenge that, that you've had to overcome and you can look back on and be really proud of or happy that you, you, know, you got through that or snuck around that or whatever it was? Uh, well, I say the first time that there was a big challenge for me was probably when the GFC hit. I know technically in statistics, we didn't actually have a GFC in the late 2000s, but, um, 
but we did. <laughs> um, if it wasn't for the mining industry, um, if you strip that out, and pretty much every other segment um, did suffer from that. And, you know, I was only in my late 20s, kind of early 30s at the time. So I think that was a very big awakening. I was in media at the time, so hugely impacted because marketing, of course, is one of the first costs to be cut in times of economic downturn. And I think that was um, that was a pretty interesting time in terms of it was the first time we had to be involved in, you know, making resource and, and um, workforce challenges and, you know, obviously, you know, unfortunately making, you know, people redundant, for example, and having to look through, um, you know, lines of the P&L and actually having to work out what we were no longer to do. Uh, and, you know, knowing that that was going to impact people's lives, uh, you know, is pretty confronting. And I think you can go through some years of, you know, media when the times are good, they are amazing. Like, <laughs> like those years at, at, in media, like when, when it's raining or literally is pouring. And of course, as soon as uh, there is a, a downturn, taps are literally turned off. So I think that was um, pretty challenging. I think some of the lessons that I learned out of that, which I think I still carry through, is um, people will always respect that tough decisions need to be made. It, to some extent, it is um, often part and parcel of business, but you can do it with empathy, with dignity, and you can make sure that you're there to provide a hand even after you make those decisions. So things like outplacement support, um, you know, having proper conversations person to person rather than relying on, say, HR to deliver the news or um, and also being transparent with the remaining workforce who tend to carry feelings of guilt or confusion and so on. I think being um, as transparent as possible um, to ensure those affected people, are, you know, are treated with the respect and dignity that they deserve. I think uh, that has been something, learning that from a pretty early stage of my career has been something I've, I feel like I've, I've taken with me, um, you know, with the years to come, even if it isn't related to that type of topic, but understanding where conversations might or decisions might be difficult, uh, that people will always respect that how you how you treated them and not not you know what the actual decision was, and I think that's quite an important um, factor. Yeah, that's that's really thoughtful, um, and, and I think if I can if I can bridge from there to um, you know maybe the application and hiring process for a listener that that maybe has just gone through that has dealt with mm. you know recently a redundancy or a job change etc. Um, I know that you you know in your role now uh, and probably probably uh, most of your recent roles you would have been involved pretty heavily with some some key hiring um, both up and down uh, mm-hmm. from a hierarchy point of view. What words of wisdom do you have for the listener that you know is embarking right now on that job search? Um, any yeah. any tidbits you can share that that will you know put a smile on someone's face or uh, give them a, a level yeah. of confidence? Yeah, I think I think one thing I notice with a lot of applicants, they tend to, and I think this podcast is really great for that. They tend to apply for jobs thinking based on a description that this is their dream job, and they will be almost. Um, obsessive (laughs) about getting that job and so that means that potentially when they come to an interview they 
get a bit too excited or perhaps embellish um, their experience um, too much. And, you know, with a lot of experienced interviewers, uh, we will we will see through that because, you know, the interview questions will primarily kind of get there. Now, that doesn't mean that those people aren't appropriate for that role or, um, or you know, couldn't be otherwise successful. It can probably do themselves disjustice. So I think I my mean, lesson to people is always, you've just got to come to a role and an interview, putting your best foot forward, but still be who you are because who you are, has to fit with the organization and from the outside an organization may well look more perhaps more attractive or you know you might think that it's the perfect place or, or whatnot but the reality is you just won't know until you're in that role and i think it's very important that both the candidate and the company are doing the assessments so i think quite often i think candidates feel that you know they're the ones that need to convince the organization that they're the right people but actually um it should be the other way around as well so i think not people don't do enough research perhaps or perhaps don't get um you know they're unobjective about whether this organization is the right one um for them and they sort of look at you know the organization go oh my god like that's my dream company and that's where i want to go kind of thing and perhaps you know quite often they might you know, they might get the job, but they might find that actually, oh, this is may not suit my personality, might not suit my value set, might not, um, you know, the perhaps just the style of and culture may not actually be um, such a good fit as they thought it would be. So I always think people should be open-minded about companies, uh, about where they, you know, where they go and the roles that they're applying for because I think sometimes the dream jobs, um, they probably never live up <laughs> to <laughs> what the job description kind of says because uh, I think they, they kind of look uh, with almost overly positives and they don't ever want to see any, any possible negatives. And I think, let's be real, every job has its highs and lows, like every job will. And, you know, it, it can still be your dream job, um, you know, but it could be quite different to what the job description originally said. So I always feel like, you know, really understand who you are and be very clear about who that is at the interview. So even if you perhaps aren't successful in the role, know that it was because it was never going to work out or perhaps it just wasn't going to be the right fit despite you thinking it would be um, and not let it kind of take it personal as such in terms of whether it was your performance or whatnot. It just simply, you know, the statistically, you're probably going to get less job offers <laughs> compared to the interviews that you have. That's just, that's just what happens. So I think people just need to be prepared for that. So I think bringing your whole self, um, being authentic and being real is, uh, is, is really important. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it'll always be a, a hard pill to swallow, but you're right. If, if, if you go in there as prepared as you can be without you know freaking out and overstressing and spending 12 months of yes. working on something, but if you go in there as prepared as you can be, to, to your point, go in there as authentically uh, and honestly as you can. Be yourself. Um, obviously, you know, put it all on the table if you really want that role. Be as enthusiastic and, yes. and there as possible. And then if you get the worst news ever and you don't get it, um, you know, it sucks for sure, but you're right. You're going to get through it. And as, as we were chatting about bef- before we hit record, um, that's we both agree on that. And that's one of my things is that, you know, I, the reason I put ready in, in, the, um, in the title of the whole podcast series is that you've got to be ready for the next thing. If it's a dream job today, it may not be tomorrow. Or if you don't have your dream job yet, you've got to be ready for it. Or if you had your dream yeah. job a year ago, move on. Yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, I, you know, I've definitely gone through plenty of interviews over the past where I haven't been successful and I think you know you just got to almost be you almost got to expect that there'll be interviews where you just won't um, be successful and at the time it may well be the most disappointing and the most um, you know it's not the news that you want to receive that's going to be a real emotion and um, I'm not at all suggesting that people shouldn't feel that because people you know people's emotions are real so you kind of almost have to expect it and then acknowledge it if if it if it happens but I remember you know years and years ago when I applied for um, these undergraduate traineeships which um, I was finally successful um, and I got offered a role at PwC but actually the reality is um, I really in my heart I wanted to work for another firm and ironically well this is the story this is this is a funny story because I at the time it was before PwC even existed and the two entities were called Pricewaterhouse and Coopers and Librand and um, I really wanted the placement at Pricewaterhouse but I got offered at Coopers and Librand and of course you know three years later the organizations merged and it was almost like you know when you realize you just think I got upset over nothing. <laughs> like things just worked out like the way that they were always meant to work out. And I do think that when 
having experienced that when I was only 17, really kind of set in my mind that sometimes bad things might happen. And at the time, they just seem like the worst thing ever. But then years later, or even months later, even days later, you realize perhaps that was just meant to happen and things happen for a reason. And, you know, you can either dwell on those bad things and think that they, God, you know, and you think you're never going to recover from them or just think maybe right now it is bad, but later on, perhaps I'll look back on this and this happened and I'm glad that this happened because it just happened for a reason. Uh, And I think you can um, really reflect and and take the positives out of everything um, after you've acknowledged that, you know, at the time probably wasn't what you wanted. Uh, and I can, I can appreciate that people, um, I'm certainly not suggesting that people shouldn't, shouldn't acknowledge that, you know, perhaps being unsuccessful in a job interview is an easy thing to accept. But, um, I think with time, it's okay to reflect on things that didn't happen so well, and you have to almost get used to it and take the learnings out of it. And I think that's great for anyone listening right now. That's sort of maybe contemplating, am I in the right role or not? Um, and I I think there's a, there's a magic in the moment and, and, you know, you can be super creative or super interested in what you're doing, no matter who the brand is, brand is or what the company right. is or what you're working on, you can be you know, really into that bit of work that you're doing, which can be magical, right? Like that can be a dream job for that day or week or project, uh, et cetera. So I think there's, there's a lot in that as well. Um, are you, can I ask you, are you, um, have you, you, do you consider yourself a confident person um, when, it, when it comes to, you know, showing up at work every day? Are you confident? I am now. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, perhaps not in the first few years. I think you you really have to get used to it. I came from, you know, in my school I excelled and I would get really top grades and I went over to Coopers and Librand and in my first few years, of course, I was like super junior and I would draft a really simple letter to a client with their notice of assessment, you know, because we review people's tax returns. And I remember sending that to one of our partners and it came back with more lines crossed out and more <laughs> amendments than lines. And literally the only thing that was left was dear Mrs. So-and-so. <laughs> um, that was a pretty confronting <laughs> experience for someone who was always very, you know, academically, you know, um, strong and, you know, never got bad marks. And to get that, I think was, I just remember just being completely horrified. And I just, I remember at the time thinking, I've just got to pick myself up here. I've just got to fix this. And I've just got to take the learnings. And instead of kind of going, oh my God, like I'm going to get fired. um, Instead, I looked at it and went, okay, let's see how, what the amendments are. And there was no doubt the amendments were much, much better than the letter that I had drafted. So I think you, again, I think the earlier in your career, um, you kind of get feedback and understand that the feedback is the intention of it. And also uh, that you are going to learn how to, and so I would say, I, I still feel one of my strengths is being able to write beautifully from a business professional perspective. I think being able to articulate, you know, complicated 
issues in a very simple, succinct, clear way is, you know, is, is certainly one of my strengths. And, and I, I no doubt know that it was through, you know, that, that uncompromising standards that, you know, in a professional services firm, um, nothing was going to go out to a client unless it was, you know, it was on point, I think really sets you up really well. So I think, you know, again, you don't, you don't ever want to think that you've submitted something that required that much um, changes. And I sort of almost vouch that I would, I would always make sure that every piece of work that I submitted was better than the last time. And um, I'm really grateful and thankful that, you know, no one danced around eggshells, you know, like no one sort of went, oh, this letter's terrible. Let's just secretly not tell her and change it. You know what I mean? Like it just was like, there you go, (laughs) fix it. And you're like, oh my God. So I think, yeah, there's lots of things that I took away from that. I was going to say an additional example to what you were talking about earlier around trying to move emotion away from it as well, right? Because you could have got stuck in a black hole there and and never got through, but yeah, look at at you now. So you obviously did. So I think- Yeah, and I think just back to your question around confidence, I think, you know, when you've, when you've done lots of that and experienced that many times and realized that you can actually you can actually take the learnings and actually do better than last time then ultimately you are going to understand what your skills are and you're going to be really confident about what you can come to work and what you can add and bring to the table and i think that uh is uh enormously uh su- you know supportive of your confidence level that's a great one. Have you got any uh, examples of great advice, um, whether it's about confidence or about your job that you've received um, throughout your years from peers or mentors or you know, it could be a book that you read? Yeah, I think, oh, um, quite a lot. I mean, one of the first ones I think was, I mean, I've worked for over 25 years, like a long, long time now. And whilst I haven't been directly um, experiencing any um gender bias or discrimination, which I think has been um, enormously thankful. I think I've, I've really worked for businesses that have been progressive um, around that. However, I would say kind of, you know, my first role um, when I was in media, you know, the CEO um, was, you know, so awesome. And, you know, he, I was the only female executive at the time. So I was fortunate enough to be promoted into an executive role quite young and as the only female and you know back you're talking about back in the noughties now <laughs> so you know the whole I guess you know the great you know strides that that women you know and and, and the opportunities now is is incredible to see I'm so grateful to live in this generation where you know I've seen the progression of that but you know even you know you're talking we're talking sort of 15 years ago um, the the words that CEO said to me was, you know, don't ever be someone that you're not. Don't come. You don't need to come to work as a as a guy. You know, you, you know we've we've elevated you into this role because of what you bring to the table, who you are, and that includes you being, you know, a woman. Not because you are, but you know that's who that's part of who you are. And I think that was like probably still sticks to my mind. Um, as probably one of the most empowering and liberating comments that have ever seen said to me. Um, and I think I still live by that, which is, this is who I am. And, uh, and you know, it doesn't mean that take it or leave it. <laughs> it just means this is who I am and, and be real about what 
values you uh you come to the table with what you know what are your strengths and and what's your background and what's your experience because what you bring um to a business or a relationship is all your you know all your years of experience and uh they ultimately affect how you respond to things your emotions and and all those sorts of things so uh i really appreciated that piece of advice and i think that was probably one of the most important pieces of advice that i've ever received yeah that's a, it's super humbling but very uh very thoughtful advice from from mm. that ceo so and and obviously now you passing it on to the listener as well yeah absolutely um, look, I'm interested in getting uh, some of your advice if I can. Uh, every episode I do a listener question of the week. Um, anyone listening is welcome to e- uh, email me or contact me on LinkedIn with a question that they'd love to throw at a, a future guest. Um, I put I put a call out to my network on LinkedIn for this question actually mm-hmm. uh, and we are both ex-Groupon people. You worked at Groupon for a little while and I so did, did I. Yeah, uh, I won't. So it's my uh, best years. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Good to be a groupie. It was um, a good time. <laughs> I won't pinpoint. Um, actually, I will. This 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 has come in um, from Ashley. This question, uh, and okay. it's a great question that I that I think uh, you're going to share some great advice. The question is: uh, My question is about building your own individual brand, both internally and externally. Is it important? And what would Anna's advice be about this? Uh, very good question. I would say yes. I think. I think building your own personal brand is pretty important because a couple of reasons. I think you should stand for and represent who you are so that uh, you can kind of, I guess, to somewhat control the message. And I also, I think people will look at that as being a sign of, um, I guess, you know, trust and integrity. I think as long as that brand is you know, reflective of who you are, um, every interaction that someone has of you should be reflective of that brand. So you shouldn't, you know, I'm not suggesting that you should create a facade or a brand that doesn't represent who you are. So I think that that's, um, and that, that's pretty important these days because I think, you know, a lot of your success in your career is, is very much based on reputation, um, whether you like it or not. So I'm not saying that people, uh, you know, that's everything, but you know, I think the reality is reputation is pretty important. So I, I think I do a lot to make sure that my reputation in everything that I do, so always working and acting as ethically and as objective as possible and with much fairness, I think um, speaks to, um, you know, a lot of who, who I am. And I'm, there is an, a little story, an analogy that I use quite often, <laughs> um, which I think is is a really cool one. I've been, I like to just translate complicated things into really simple things but a really great analogy that I use is um just uses an example someone a friend of mine asked me to go to the supermarket and buy some yogurt and you know I know nothing about yogurt so I go to the yogurt aisle in Coles and I don't know if you've gone to the yogurt aisle recently but the yogurt aisle is like 10 meters wide it's like literally dominates the whole entire dairy section um, and it's also at least six rows, um, it's shelving. So I can't even, I wouldn't even be bothered to count, but there must be so many brands and flavors and variations of yogurt that you can possibly buy from fat free to mango, to plain, to vanilla, to unsweetened, so, you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. And it's overwhelming. And I kind of use that analogy to explain how, the candidate or the market is (laughs) so um 
and quite often if I was, so if I was asked and my friend said, just go and pick up some yogurt, if I had no clue, I would probably pick the one that has advertised or has, has the strongest branding because that's simply the easiest thing to do. And I think people kind of think, oh, but shouldn't you just, you know, she should choose the one that's like the best or whatever. But the reality is there's so many different definitions and criteria for best. And, you know, everyone could say that's the best and that's so and so on. But if failing that and not having enough information about someone, you probably choose the one that has, is the top of mind. And that's why marketing is so powerful. So to some extent, I'm not suggesting that you need to spend, you know, you know, millions of dollars on a billboard or anything like that. But I do think opportunities to be able to, um, you know, define your brand and that may, you know, that may be quite subtle. It could be quite, um, you know, simply just sharing perhaps um, some opinions on, on LinkedIn, for example, or being involved in networking events or, or whatnot um, just helps, I guess, add the other dimension to, uh, who you are and uh, obviously allows people to perhaps have a different view of you or, a, you know, a particular sense of who you are without, uh, you know, having to actually know you. So I kind of feel people don't like to think that, but actually that is how people make decisions every day. Like every day you are making decisions about things that you might not know a lot about, but you are influenced by you know, subtle cues or things that they, you know, you might kind of think of. So, and you may not know why. Um, and so I think, I think a bit of personal branding is, is a, is a good thing. How much of it? And well, that, that's a personal decision and, and obviously uh, relevant to, you know, how, how much that they, someone's comfortable with, but you can imagine, I guess the person who, um, and if you really want to build your career, and I think the person who does very little and is sitting there waiting in that bottom shelf in that corner for someone to kind of see the beauty and the value and, and that yogurt could well be just as good, if not more amazing. Um, you, you know, you might just sort of miss, perhaps miss out on some opportunities. So I do think that you do need to get out there and, um, and, and be something or someone uh, rather than perhaps, you know, uh, perhaps sitting on the fence or, um, or waiting for, you know, someone to, to sell, you know, your greatness, which, you know, I think, <laughs> I think people are pretty busy these days. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, so I guess to me that that's, that's kind of my view on personal branding, I guess. And you, yeah, you're right. And you, you've got to be, you've got to be seen and heard, uh, to some description. And, and I think, you know, for me as well, when I think about it and, and some of the people that, are, you know, I've, I've worked with and, and hopefully have helped, um, it, it seems obvious to sort of go, oh, I can post more on some sites and all that kind of stuff for sure, but it's not, not easy to do for everyone. The, the one, one tricky part that I think for a lot of people is, is how to do that internally. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I still think your point is right, that it comes back to being seen and heard and, and whether that is showing some proactive, you know, enthusiasm about a project or... Yeah even just interest in what someone's doing, even if it's yes. not in your lane. Yeah, I've spoken to lots of people actually who have uh, built some incredible brands internally into a business in big organisations. So people who've worked for, say, banks, for example, who, you know, the reality is like you are literally one of thousands and they have created 
smaller groups of lunch and learns. Um, they have done like, you know, literally just got talent from within the business themselves and just created little sessions at lunchtime and they've asked you know another area a person from another area to talk about their area of expertise or an experience that they might have had uh using internal social media platforms so different businesses might use you know we use uh workplace um currently but I know that you can you know Yammer or whatever it is you know like there's all sorts of different um tools that you can use and have created groups discussion groups or you know other things but I think those sorts of experiences are great because it really you know it really forces you to practice your networking skills your influencing skills and also your communication and you know, a bit of resilience as well, because you have to be pretty persistent. You know, at first you might kind of just, you know, not maybe people would be like, oh yeah, that's really excited. But then to actually get people to turn up and to actually give you feedback and, you know, probably when you first started the podcast, it's the same, right? I mean, to like, you know, there's people have great ideas, but actually to actually stick to it and actually refine it and improve it and make something great out of it itself is a learning yeah, and one of the one of the first things you said in, in this chat was around consistency, uh, and that really hits home. You know, you, consistency is is so critical. So, um, look, I, I want to end on that. I, I really appreciate your time, Anna. Um, look, you know, from Taronga's from Taronga Zoo to Bachelors of, of Commerce, and um, you know, and, a, and a, a very fruitful career all the way through to the iconic. I'm super excited about what's coming next for you as well. So, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you being a guest. Thanks, Dane. No, thank you for your time too. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 